Hello, hello, hello. Hello. I haven't seen you for a while. Ah, I've always been here in spirit. I've always been the hand on your shoulder, the hat on your head. The wind beneath my wings. The breeze yeah. between your knees. <laughs> that, that went weird quite quickly. <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting so, it. How have you been? How have you been? I've been good. See, I'm quite surprised to hear from you again because Tarman said you were dead in one of the. Well, no, I heard that as well. I've been dead twice, apparently, I think. It's not good, that You zone out, you know, you bleed your life's blood one last time, and um, then you see where you're going, and then you come back. Yeah, you can see clearly now. I can see clearly now. <laughs> the waves have gone. I've changed my ways to avoid my fate. So, uh, you know, no yeah, more talking about Jimmy Savile. No more, uh, we can't go too crazy. Yeah, I've become pious. What, you're like a monk or something like that? Yeah. I worry a monk, but yeah. Worry a monk. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's yeah. quite that's quite something a warrior monk, isn't it? Yeah, like uh, having one of those old Japanese naginatas with covering up my face, you know, mm. prayer beads, but I can kick ass. So I live on top of a mountain, you know. People visit me and leave me food every now and then, except yeah. on days like this where I do a podcast. So hey, <laughs> yeah, there's not enough monks doing podcasts, really. If you think there about are not. it. You know, and they, they don't give enough sage advice, even if they did. You know, they're too consumed with themselves. Terrible. Yeah. I, I like the idea of a warrior monk because you're peaceful, but clearly not peaceful enough. You know, you know when you need to fight. Oh, yeah, man. You're like Kevin Cosner of religion, you know. It's, uh, well, <laughs> I, guess, I guess Kevin Cosner is the Kevin Cosner of religion. Yeah, you fight when you need to. You, you don't go looking for battles. Not exactly a horror film, but, you know, it's, uh, Ooh, it's good action. Is that a segue, then? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting better at noticing these. Although, to be fair, <laughs> she's getting annoyed with me for saying this, but Tarman's ones are really terrible. Yeah. Oh, like, her segue, just... her art of the segue is a little bit unsubtle. Yeah. Yeah, she, she, she'd learn from us, really. We, we do the best ones, <laughs> I think. i tell you what, that's really good about Trump and all, but it's not a long blot, but a... One shot, no, that shit, that was, that was a big win. <laughs> well, at least you tried, Chris. That's yeah, the point. Yeah. We reward trying here. Well, I, I think my first attempt was way better. Yeah, definitely. Uh, segways like that, I love them, though. That was good. 90s nostalgia. <laughs> Speaking of 90s nostalgia, have you seen what Trump has done in the news lately? Oh, God. What particular Trump news story have, are you talking about? Oh, that was, that was just an example of a segue. Oh, right. <laughs> but that's always relevant news as well. I'm sure, I'm sure Trump is a... He's kind of wondering about this wall thing now it's like he's kind of trying to back out of doing the wall because even his his fan base is kind of talking back on him they feel mm. a bit betrayed so he doesn't really have too many allies at the moment and even uh Anne courtier you know the conservative oh woman, yeah even she's like uh one of the biggest trump fans and she said something like at this point who wouldn't want him indicted you know yeah and it's like whoa okay trump is kind of fucked here is he now doing like some kind of immigration deal with the democrats yeah yeah. And then there was that leaked footage on the phone, probably old by now, of him talking to the Mexican president saying, look, I need this wall done. It's not the most important thing politically, but on face, I need it done. Otherwise, I'm going to look like a jackass. And the Mexican guy is like, he's still saying, like, no, we can't do this. I'm sorry, but it's not what we want. And he's just like, we'll make a deal somewhere and it'll be fine. We'll make a deal somewhere. And he's kind of kind of worried he's not going to be able to do it. And um, 
He's going to make him look like a fool, ironically. <laughs> I like how he's now only just like worried about looking like a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all we all go through puberty at some stage, don't we? Yeah, unfortunately, he's doing it as president, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But there you go. It's a showman job now. So, yeah. I mean, The Rock has said that he might apply. Kanye West has even shared some interest in applying. So it's not a job for politicians anymore. It's just no. people... With no actual experience and celebrities with personality. It's all cult personality. That's all it is. Yeah, with The Rock, isn't Tom Hanks his vice president? Oh, actually, I really hope that's true. I wouldn't mind that. But at the same time, I stand by the whole fact that actors shouldn't be presidents. No. If George Clooney had his way, he'd probably be president. Because that's what I heard. He was gearing up for a presidential attempt at some point. Yeah, but see, George Clooney, I could actually... He'd be my one exception because he at least has some sort of investment in political affairs and things. Like his wife's that human rights mm. ambassador. So at least he has a little bit more experience than some. Yeah. And he's also on the right side of the whole fence as well. So mm. I wouldn't see that as much of a problem. I still think that he would need to have some experience as opposed to what he does now. Yeah. I still just think, I think actors should in general stay away from politics. Well, they get, they get high on their own success. And, you know, you get a couple of fans say, you should be president, you should be president. And then they'll think, I should be president, you know, because the fans love me. Yeah, they, they, they think that's going to translate into them getting elected, I think. But it probably would as well. That's the sad thing. Mm. You know, people love a personality. And if we find out that The Rock clips his toenails a little bit better than, say, George Clooney, he might get in. Uh, it's all superficial stuff, you know? Yeah. What is the better way to clip your toenails? Well, you need a toenail clipper <laughs> and you need to take your time. Oh, is that George Clooney's mistake? He doesn't have a toenail clipper. No, he has one. But his biggest mistake is thinking he can just do it anywhere. You have to do it over the bar. Setting is as important as the action itself. Yeah. And he thinks doing it in his bed when nobody's watching is fine. As long as he finds the nail afterwards. No, you have to do it over the bar. I, I think you're right on that one. Always an educational experience on the podcast here, so... Yeah, yeah. We always we, learn something. We're always very good at schooling people. <laughs> I think that's a Trump thing, really. Schooling people or just mouthing off about random bullshit and thinking people listen. <laughs> yeah, actually, probably the second one there. <laughs> probably the second one. But, yeah, so, someone died recently. Yeah, well, quite a lot of people have died, I think, recently, have they? Yeah, quite a lot of people. But the subject of today is one best in particular, isn't there, that we're going to talk about, yeah. and that's uh, Toe Pooper, who directed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He died recently. And we just wanted to briefly mention him, because well, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a great film, although it's been a little while since I watched it. I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was quite a scary film. So. Mm-hmm. It was definitely one of those, the first uh, video nasties I ever saw. Actually, I did see the remake before I saw the original. Really? I did, yeah. I yeah. thought the remake was actually quite good as well. But after that one, they made a whole slew of horrible, horrible sequels. But horror sequels very rarely are that good. They're not very good, and then there's just insulting. Yeah. There are some that uh, it's meant to be like a, a direct sequel to the original as opposed to the, as to the remake. They just ruin the character. Of Leatherface, yeah, completely. Like oh, I don't know what to believe. But at the same time, the original was classic, and yeah, we can all imagine trying to make a film like that, and it would be so easy and cheap, and yet it was so effective. Yeah, it, it is the kind of film when you first like. So I, I wanted to be like a filmmaker when I was at like university, obviously, and that's exactly the kind of film you want to make back then. I think in general, a nice cheap sort of grindhousey picture. Yeah, and because um, I've got another one of his films that he did. It's quite a few, few years later, 
and it's uh, the Toolbox Murders. I've heard of that. Well, it's actually a remake of a film that had been done like in the late 70s, I think. Mm. It's a bit more modern, better like production values as well. But it's not too bad. It's quite a good one, quite a grim one as well. Uh-oh. Most of those like horror films are pretty grim, to be fair. Nice. Oh. At the same time, like the Toolbox Murders, did you find them as shocking, or was it another one of the sort of gore fest films? It's a little bit gore festy at times. It's still got a bit like where it is like there's a genuine kind of horror to it in a way. Yeah, like it, it's not like the best horror film you're ever going to see, but it's pretty intense while you're watching it. It's not necessarily a film you remember very well. I see, but it's a nice little hidden gem. It's like a good one. It's one of the better hmm. ones, I think. Of, horror films you tend to see these days. I see. There's not been a really kind of good horror film, really, I don't think, recently. Horror films were already suffering in the 90s anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you get a couple of good ones, like The Bone Collector, and then you had that slew of Saw and Hostel films, which was gore porn, really. I mean, they couldn't even do real horror. It was just guts. And guts is the cheap way of showing off horror, really. But it's, mm. it's still fun. But with horror already decreasing, and then you had that superhero boom for a while, big action films Mm. and then all of a sudden there's no room for big major studios to actually do horror when everyone else is taking up the limelight uh, i think the last proper horror actually was it that came out recently oh yeah i've heard that's quite good from what people i've heard it's quite good i hope that you know we get a really good horror film like it uh, but one that actually reinvents the genre uh, rejuvenates the genre unlike what the mummy film was trying to do that remake of the mummy film which wasn't exactly horror anyway but it was like that action horror. It was trying to make its own universe like Marvel. Failed spectacularly. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to continue <laughs> that. But um, yeah, we need something that's just going to stick. And then people's demand for being scared goes up. But it needs yeah. to be done correctly. You know? and, and also rewatchable. Because the problem with some horror films, like I, for, for example, I love the film Martyrs. But rewatchability, it's not. it's still good to rewatch. But at the same time, it's... You know when painful parts are coming up and you're not as shocked, but you're still dreading it. And uh, you end up watching it for the acting more than anything. But yeah. it's still, it, you know, it's we need more horror films that make you... Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I can watch again and again. Yeah. And just keep enjoying it, you know. It's just one of those fun films. Oh, fun and gory. And modern horrors like The Babadook, for instance. I thought it was good. I can't watch it a second time. Because I know about all the twists and the secrets. and the, Yeah. And it's just, I can't, I just, I could try, but. Uh. See, I've got a similar thing. Because, like, for me, it's, I, I don't like not knowing what's going to happen often mm. the time. When you watch it again, you kind of know what happens. That For me, that kind of takes a lot of the horror away from a lot of horror films. Mm. For me to, like, watch a horror film again, it's got to be something that, it's kind of really watchable. You've got to watch it yeah. just for the sake of wanting to watch it, not for, like, the sake of wanting to know yeah. what happens to these characters. Like, it adds more than just uh, the horror element. Or, it, yeah. or at least the horror element has a rewatchability to it, not just once you find out what happens or what's actually in the box or something. Yeah. Then it's, then it's no point, you know? Yeah. Like The Sixth Sense, for example. Yeah. Like, you've watched The Sixth Sense. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, you know about the twist and... The fact that you can rewatch it to see all the clues in the film and things, but it is hard to watch a film when you know the twist. Yeah. See, there is one horror film I would watch again. It's um, a horror film called Pieces, I think. Pieces. It's more funny than anything else. It doesn't like intend to be, I don't think. 
right. It's set in this like like high school, and it's this kids going around with a chainsaw. I think Brilliant. it's either the kid or one of the teachers, and it's so funny, like watching this kid just kind of cut off people's heads. It's just done in such a like over the top way. It's more funny. Pieces, you say? Yeah, I think it's called pieces. It is a bit gory, but it's kind of funny. So you kind of like watching it just for that, really. <laughs> Actually, that sounds a lot like uh, Evil Dead too. Mm. Uh, it's like that same sort of over the top, but it is it is horrifying as well. Even on my first watch of it, I was horrified. But at the same time, I was laughing my ass off. It was hilarious. And I think there's something really effective about those two emotions of horror and humour. They go hand in hand so well. But when you get it just right, like the, the, the director, at first you think it's just so bad that it's laughable. And then you realise halfway through, the director knows it's bad and he's just having fun with it. So it's it's like you're laughing with him as opposed to at him. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I, I, do, I do like that kind of dark humour sometimes yeah. in those kind of films. What I really want, like, the horror film is, like, something original as well, because there's so many of these sequels. Like, I've got, like, the Omen box set and, like, the Exorcist mm. box set. There's, like, five or six different films in these kind of box sets. And you just think, couldn't you think of anything original to do? <laughs> like, and not, they're not, it's not just, like, sequels. Then they do, like, the remakes. There's a remake of virtually every horror film from, like, the 70s, I think. That goes for many genres as well. They're trying to go with what worked in the past and repeat yeah. that success. Because you've already got a base of success if you do that. Yeah. You know? That's actually one of the things that um, I think Texas Chainsaw does so well. It's it's a straight-up horror gore. Mm. But you can still rewatch it. Actually, do you want to hear a controversial opinion about the Exorcist series? I thought one was great, of course. Number two is one of the worst horror films, if not one of the worst films ever made. Yeah. But number three is better than the original. I would go with that, I think, actually. Yeah. I watched the first one and I listened to Mark Kermode, who said it was like one of the best films, scariest films, like. What, number one? Ever, yeah. yeah. But I watched it, I thought, I didn't really think too much of it, actually. I didn't think it was particularly scary. I thought um, her being exercised was more funny than anything. Or <laughs> <laughs> plus, you all these people spoofing it as well nowadays. But... But what, have you ever seen number three? Um, yeah, ages ago. I can't really remember too much about it now. It, it has some of the most shocking imagery and use of sound I've mm. ever seen in a horror film. So I'm not going to spoil any scenes. But some just take you by surprise. Some unnerve you. And, and it also has, um, oh, what's his bloody face? The guy that played Grimmer Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings. Do you, do you remember him? Oh. Well, anyway, he plays the Gemini killer. And his performance is just amazing, man. It's it's incredible. Oh, um, Brad Dourif <laughs> is his name, <laughs> but he, he's he's always been that guy that plays yeah. that character, and he's just amazing in that. Oh, it's awesome. If you get a chance, watch it. It's so good. You've got the yeah. box set. Yeah, I've got I've got the box set. So I'm gonna I'll give that. Hellraiser is another one. Although that was weird. <laughs> Hellraiser is just. A fucking weird... It's great gore, and it's really horror. But a lot of the time, there's some really... Ch you're very aware that the set was cheap, and some of the other characters are just... You don't care about. You just want to get back to the, the Cenobites and things like that. And... Yeah, because like, um, I've got a lot of, um, like, the Italian horror films. Oh. Like the Giallos and stuff like that. And Suspiria. Yeah, and uh, there's, there's a great one I've got. I can't remember what it, exactly it's called now, but... Um, it's one where this guy gets his... The, the person who's murdering this guy is using a digger. Oh. And what he does is he gets, like, the handle bits of that digger 
and just rips this guy's head off, basically. Shit. That actually sounds quite awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then you, there's a bit where um, the guy is then running over someone's head. But you can tell it's quite a cheaply made film because the head, it just kind of squishes like it was a ball or something like that. And is he still screaming by that point as well? <laughs> yeah. It, oh, it's amazing to watch that one. But yeah, the, some of those Italian ones are really like, good, really good, but kind of creepy yeah. as well. What's that one called again? Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. Please send me. Please send me it. Yeah, I've, I've got it upstairs on DVD. So perfect. God, there, there's some weird ones though. There's like um, there's one called like the Night Train Murders, and it's oh, a bit I've of a kind of, of rip off of like Last House on the Left. Yeah. And yeah, there's a bit where this guy sticks a knife into like some woman's vagina. Oh, it's, lovely. it's a really like really uncomfortable to watch. God. That reminds me of Seven a bit actually. Yeah. Actually. Last House on the Left, another one that got a remake with Jennifer Lawrence, I believe. Yeah, I heard that wasn't too bad, actually, the remake. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, it might be better than the original, because the original was very, um, it was still a cult classic, and I understand why, and it, is, it has got this kind of video nasty sort of vibe, especially in a time when the slasher yeah. genre wasn't really big, but there are whole scenes where the camera will be rolling for 20 seconds as the victim runs, and then about 10 seconds later, the pursuers run after her, but it's the same damn scene, and this happens way too many times. Yeah, and I think the film's great, but it's very amateur. It could tell it's someone's first time. Not to shit on anyone, I, I I believe that that's one of the first cases of a sequel being better than the original or improving on the original. Yeah, especially when you got Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, Cause, oh, what's another one from that era? Um, the Hills Have Eyes as well. Ah, yes, that got a remake. Yeah, yeah, like everything's got a remake, hasn't it, from that really era? Nice. Even I think they're still they were going to do Children of the Corn at one point, but I don't know if they have actually done that. Yeah, because they even did. You know, they got another guy who died recently. Uh, Romero, is it? Yes, yes. Yeah, they remade one of his films, didn't they? One of the best remakes ever. Yeah, it was Dawn of the Dead. Yes, that was. I I still think that's also better than the original. It's I, I love the original again. It's one of the first zombie films I ever saw, but the remake had me on the edge of my seat all the way through. It was up there with Twenty Eight Days Later in terms of zombie horror. Oh, cause I think Romero's, didn't he do The Crazies as well? I think, yeah. That's been remade as well. That was interesting. Actually, I thought it was alright too. I did see one remake that wasn't as good as the original, which was yeah. The Ring. Ah, oh, what, the American remake? The, the, the original Japanese one's about the eyes. Is it the eye or something like that? Yeah, they watch a videotape and uh, then and then they die in seven days. Ringu. Uh, no, yeah, I think it's the eye that I watched. The eye. And that's, yeah, there's like original Japanese version of that. I don't remember what that one was. I know the grudge and the, and ring. And then there's one missed phone call. That's another thing, uh, remakes of foreign films, especially Japanese horror. Yeah. They're, they're never as good, I don't think. Grudge used to be like the serious, scariest thing I'd ever seen. And now I watch yeah. it nowadays and it's, you know, I've seen so many things imitate it now. It's almost, it doesn't have any effect. It's still good scare. Mm. It's just not the same anymore. The Japanese don't half decent like weird horror films, so. <laughs> oh, they love it. They love their weirdness. There's like some I remember talking about this because it's probably possible like podcast idea. It's mm. about this guy who uh, this woman like chopped his cock off and balls, I think. And then they just kind of <laughs> sat there talking afterwards. And then she kind of stayed in the same room with his dead body for like days. That's it's, a real story? Yeah, that's real. It actually happened. It's an actual oh, story. And then like it's geez. been made into like a film a couple of times in Japan. <laughs> and so it was a Japanese 
story. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's another one. There's a famous Japanese author where he um, cut his own head off in some part, kind of, some kind of ritual. <laughs> and you just think, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I hope he didn't. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like, and then he went and visited visited his ex or something. Like he, was <laughs> he was alive for a good 30 minutes afterwards. Yeah. Uh, Good nice. chickens are meant to live for a little while, aren't they? Yeah, meant I don't really to still want to test it, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, that might just be spasms and, and things. But I don't yeah. Know. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if someone's actually done that. Looked at the body running around, but then looked at the head to see if it's still winking at him or something like that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just like, get it, wink, wink, get it, wink, and then die. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the, the Japanese got some weird shit going on. Because there's a film like Visit Q which I've got, and it's basically this guy, he gets stuck in a dead prostitute. <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, uh, it's kind of, what? I mean, uh, it's the same guy, you know, um, oh, it's a guy who did, is it 13th film about Japanese warriors or something like that? He's famous for doing these quite, like, weird films. It's not Takeshi Miyake, is it? Yeah, it's him. can't remember what the, it's a, he did a film about a load of warriors and stuff like that. I can't oh. remember what it's called now, though. But, yeah, I mean, he... This is, like, a really good film, though, this visit to Q. It's really weird and strange, but it's a really good film. Well, I love that guy anyway, so I'll definitely try and watch that. Yeah. He did another couple of films, Happy, Happiness of the Katakuri, <laughs> which is the weirdest... Guarantee one of the weirdest films you ever see. Not in terms of avant-garde, so you can still actually watch it and enjoy it. But yeah. There's a musical every uh, ten minutes, <laughs> and it's a weird mix of musical horror and murder and stop motion in certain places well it's just weird yeah. <laughs> but it's great uh you also did itchy the killer which oh, I've is heard of that one, yeah. yeah jet lee as well so that was really interesting to watch wow i think it was jet lee uh, maybe i'm wrong i think it was jet lee but yeah it's it's just such good fun to watch this stuff i don't think he's made a film that i haven't found entertaining or that slows down. Yeah. Yeah, so like films like this that you can rewatch all the time. Uh, Jacob's Ladder is another one, pure horror that I can just rewatch without having to worry about getting bored about it. And, and then Texas Chainsaw Massacre just has an atmosphere to it. There's certain camera shots of, you know, you're looking in through the front doorway where you have that stair going up and that hallway with that hidden door. Mm. And that hidden door picture is so unnerving. I think it's all positioning of the camera being on the ground, looking up, how unnerving and scary. And you know it's the door of death yeah. and things. And, oh, my God, it's scary. A film that I find really unnerving, it's probably not technically kind of seen as like a horror film, I guess, is um, Clockwork Orange. Mm. Ah, I remember watching that for the first time. I was like, this is some weird kind of film. Yeah, and you can't believe that it came out when it did as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, it, it got banned, but... Wow, it's quite still quite shocking to watch even today. Yeah, first time I watched that, I, I didn't not like it at all. I mean, I really like it now. Not, I don't really enjoy it because of like the violence, but it's, <laughs> oh, it's 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 a really good film. But I really did not like it the first time I saw it. Oh, I loved it's like, it. It's it's yeah, it's completely. Like, I found it really unnerving. I was like, what is yeah. this shit? He deserves to be put in prison for this. <laughs> yeah. And then there's that whole ambiguity of is he really cured or? You know, when he says, oh, I was cured, all right. Is he just lying? Yeah. You know, he hasn't really got a social barometer on him unless he's got, you know, unless he's yeah. physically told by the pain not to do this. Yeah, I think what's unnerving as well is that you're kind of 
tempted to feel sorry for this guy who's kind of spent the film beating people up and raping them. Yeah, it, like uh, yeah, exactly. Like you almost sympathise with the rapist. Yeah, and then he has the Ludovico treatment, and then the film becomes something bigger than him, where it's like the government and the prison system trying to control inmates through the sort of MK Ultra style of brainwashing. But you always have to remember that no matter if he's the victim here. And even that guy, um, that his wife was killed by them through the shop, and he goes mad and starts torturing Alex. You have to remember that he's kind of in the right anyway. Yeah. You know, you probably do the same. Yeah. It's such a weird film. And I think those penis lollies were pretty terrifying as well. Oh, right. <laughs> and they kept kind of dripping. <laughs> like, that thing is going to fall off, mate. <laughs> I mean, that's what they say about Kubrick, though. They always think of him quite a dry kind of like, humorless character, but there's quite a bit of humour in some of his films, actually. Hey, Kubrick? Yeah. Yeah, man, he's like um, the Coen brothers before Coen. Yeah. There are some really dry humour parts. I mean, Clockwork Orange is chock full of humorous anecdotes. And yeah. So if you get past the dark humour, and you actually, because you're siding with Alex in a little bit of it, he's actually quite a witty, funny character, and yeah. his interactions with others is is quite hilarious. And then there's the absurdity of some of the characters, like the, the principal guy that comes to his house you know, yes, to check on him. <laughs> you know, then you've got, like, uh, The Shining actually has some horror and comedy moments as well. Yeah, there's a weird bit where there's that guy dressed up in the animal costume. Yeah, apparently in the book that's a lot. I haven't read The Shining. I'll let you know that now. I haven't either. I've heard it's meant to be something to do with him giving head to the guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some, it's got some weird meaning, apparently. I heard. And it's like, like a little Easter egg wink to the people that have read the book. but yeah. You know Stephen King didn't find that interpretation of The Shining very flattering, so he tried to make his own, which was like a, oh, yeah. a couple of... Yeah, and apparently it explains more, but it's so different, and it's not very good. Yeah. And, and it's it's really weird when the original creator of the idea doesn't have a very good idea of what he... Like, <laughs> someone else has a better idea of his idea. So you don't know really what to think. Yeah, that's a, like, that's a pet hate of mine. It's like um, authors who... They're willing to get the money for like for these things to be made into films, and then they moan about them incessantly. Mm. Like, you took the money, shut up, you know. That's <laughs> when it stops being yours, you know. So I will say that creators still have their control, and they they can take money, but they can still be unhappy with a finished product as well. Because you are taking someone else's yeah. idea and making it. For the longest time, I would always say, "Oh yeah, Stephen King's a shining," but I never thought Stephen King. I always thought Kubrick. Yeah. That was just I felt like that's his work. Come on, that's his work. It's definitely like Kubrick's film because the book's meant to be a lot more about alcoholism, isn't it? I think. Oh yeah. From what I've heard, and I think yeah, Kubrick's film's definitely not about alcoholism. I don't think. I really like The Shining, actually. I do. Yeah. It's what I, that's one of those horror films I can watch again and again. I think Shining is good. Tommy Knockers is horrible. He's made a lot of stupid things as well as good things. Yeah. Even It, which everyone loves nowadays, you know, the, I thought it has a great start, an interesting middle that's building up to a climax and a terrible climax, you know, a horrible ending, mm. uh, which apparently they've addressed in the new film that I haven't seen. But, you know, I used to watch the old show, uh, the old film, and uh, the ending was so questionable. It just didn't meld with the rest of the film because obviously Stephen King being Stephen King has taken a completely different direction. Mm. It's surprising us. But not necessarily uh, entertaining us, you know? Yeah. Uh, the weirdest clown, I think, is um, the one in The Simpsons. Krusty. Yeah. He always <laughs> scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I slaughtered the Special Olympics. 
<laughs> Actually, funnily enough, and this is quite on PC, back to old Chris Hess standards, but in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the guy who played Leatherface, Gunnar Hansen, yeah. apparently his inspiration for mannerisms of Leatherface was special needs children in development or really? like Special Olympics. And, yeah. Oh, like, wow. He actually said that. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, uh, man. Like, that's kind of not cool. It's not a good but thing to same, admit to. <laughs> at the same time, though, and I'm sorry to say this, I can see what he was going for. But, uh, before you think I'm an evil <laughs> bastard, it's just, you know, that sort of um, Leatherface is a mentally disabled sort of horror villain. You know, you can tell he, he has some sort of handicap. Yeah. Yeah, Not like Freddy, who's all there in the head, you know. Yeah, I think you can see what you mean there. Yeah, but apparently he openly said, "Yeah, he saw inspiration from special need children." And obviously, Leatherface acts like a child as well. He bangs his head. Yeah, when he's angry with himself or something. Uh, but damn, <laughs> yeah, he just outright says it. You know, it's a very good performance, I guess. Kind of. It's oh not... yeah, definitely. But I don't I wouldn't necessarily admit it to that. <laughs> uh, you would have said something like, "Oh, mentally handicapped" or something like that, but. To out- outright say, oh, special needs children is how yeah. I got my inspiration. Yeah. Fuck you, Hanson. <laughs> I don't know you hate them that much, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but still a great guy. Come yeah. on, this isn't exactly Mel Gibson level of controversy. But... Yeah, true. And if you horror films, they're not exactly the morally. <laughs> exactly. Not, you know, it's all tits and dicks and, and guts and what's, you know. Yeah. Your guts and what's. And it's not the highest common denominator. In fact, a lot of people claim that, that it's down there with comedy, you know, and how cheap and exploitative it is. And I'm cool with that, man. I love a good cheap horror. Yeah. When it's done well. Like the best ones, I think they do capture something that you tend to like find quite scary anyway. So mm. I think they do get into your psyche a bit. So horror films can they be really kind do. of good. But I think the best ones, I think the cheap ones. The cheap ones. And plus the cheap ones have the best soundtracks as well. Oh, yeah. Like you, you listen to Suspiria and, and that film you got me, Zombie Flesh Eaters. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I love, by the way. Thank you for that. <laughs> the soundtracks, they have that real 70s sort of synth. Yeah. And it's so wonderful to listen to. It's it's amazing. <laughs> when I'm doing a bit of drawing or something like that, I listen to some of that in the background because it's just, it's it's got that great sort of oh, vibe yeah. to it. You know, it's it's almost exciting. But it's not depressing horror. It's intense, exciting horror. Yeah. I love some of the soundtracks. Like, um, there's one called New York Ripper. New York got, Ripper. Yeah, it's got, like, a really jazzy soundtrack. Oh, yes. And it's, it's brilliant. In the 80s, there was a film Necromantic. Yes, I've heard of Necromantic. I, actually, I think I know the song you're talking about as well. And it's there. It's like a piano piece. It's like, yeah. it starts, and you think it's like some kind of classical music or something like that. And it's it's really like, you don't really see like horror film when you listen to it. But it's great. It's a really great piece of like music. So, I mean, I, I love that. I fucking love Necromantic. <laughs> yeah. There was a slew of 80s and 90s films that tried to do the whole uh, Lovecraftian theme, didn't they? Like, they yeah. tried to go for a couple of love. There was Mountain of Madness. I really don't want to watch these films because I'm enjoying the books. But, uh, yeah, like the, the, the Lovecraftian theme is a genre in itself, in a way, isn't it? I mean, so yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be from the law books anyway. Lovecraft is a great sort of aura, but I think it's something that is way better in book form because when you see it in film, you can't really run away with it, and it's not as isolating. And uh, Yeah. In general, I do find a lot of ghost stories often sound better in book form as well. Yes. Words can be really evocative sometimes. The medium does help as well because you're you're isolated when you're reading a book. So you're alone, regardless yeah. of 
where you are or who you're with. It's taking your imagination as well. You're not yeah. reading to an audience. Yeah. Films, by and large, they can only really be visually kind of thing. You can do a little bit like with like music and sound, I suppose. A little bit, but not enough. That's my problem with like, a lot of modern horror films is they depend too much on that. Yes, exactly. That's where I think the lines cast. When you have psychological horror, like Lovecraftian fiction, it is better in book form. But when you get gormography or just yeah. really good action horror, it's way better in film. You, you can't even imagine a novelization of Dream Warriors. Uh, yeah. free. You know, it, it has to be it has to be a film. It's a film only sort of media. I doubt there was ever a book of Dream Warriors, but at the same time, that's just because it's such an action oriented horror. So yeah. you can't have a, a book going, he hit him and then he jumped. And then he <laughs> hit him back in a really cool fashion. Yeah, definitely. Films can be really loud these days as well, can't they? Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't have watched Dunkirk and it was so bloody loud. It was oh, it's deafening. Yeah. turn it down sometimes <laughs> hate to sound like an old man but <laughs> i understand that but it really did lend itself to the film the dunkirk was great mm. there were some sections of the film again not spoiling anything but i generally felt scared for the characters oh, yeah. oh the, the bit was there where they're in that boat and in the boat they're and shooting. it goes dark and oh yeah and one gets <laughs> but, one in the eye or something like that oh, that's it? so creepy Oh. I was like that guy. I was like, look, don't let me go down in deck. I know you've got jam buns underneath, and I really <laughs> want those jam buns. I'm an Englishman after all. But I'm just going to stand on the deck for a little bit until we're at least halfway to Britain, you know? Yeah. I know who I'd be. I'd be the guy that, bloody, uh, you know, is it George? <laughs> he gets knocked on the head and just dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Without doing anything. He's pretty much useless. <laughs> yeah, and then you got Harry Styles, who I forgot was Harry Styles through half of the film. Yeah. The funny thing is, I forgot it was Harry Styles, but I remember thinking, that soldier has nice hair. <laughs> I'm not shitting you. Like, um, even when you don't realise it's Harry Styles, you still think, oh, he's got, he stands out from the bunch a bit. Yeah. I'm not saying his acting was any good, but then again, I wasn't really paying too much attention to him. It's a weird one, though, because it didn't really have, like, an awful lot to do, to be fair. Mm. You'd have to look kind of bit frightened, I guess, at the right <laughs> moments. Look a bit, you know, what's going on. <laughs> you I can know. do that without acting. But now that he's been in a Nolan film, uh, you know, a success, no doubt, I'm going to predict that he's going to get the, the Shia LaBeouf style of ego. Yeah. Well, I'm a superstar, and I want to be in a superstar film now. Anyone that says that otherwise is just amateur. Yeah. I think he's going to get that. Because he was the one, the leader of One Direction, wasn't he? He was basically the first one to break into, you know, the big leagues. Everyone knew about Harry, of course, didn't they? I think he's the pretty much most famous one of a lot. I know there's then Niall. Niall. Someone else. Someone who quit. I think Zane was the one that quit, and he's the second famous one. Yeah. Because uh, he's the one that's gone and do, done his own artist thing. But I still thought Harry was the one that stood out, and then you've got Zane, and then you've got the other three. One of them's Irish. Uh, he's trying to do his own thing, but no one gives a shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not the third time, mate. He can go back to Ireland. But at the same time, it's, you know, I don't even know who the other two are. I think it's Niall and Beal. I'm ashamed to know the name no shame in it man no shame you know more than me you're more on the pop culture buzzer than i am anyway but yeah and b i don't know oh, I, i'd love to do that at harry harry stars concert at the back sing bring out narlan b it's like a band name really <laughs> all the notes narlan b yeah that is actually yeah play free birth <laughs> right i'm gonna try and hide my one direction knowledge <laughs> <laughs> I've never never actually really listened to any of the songs, I don't think. 
I had one that sounded like all right, but oh, they're all right, mate. They're they're very poppy, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to say they write their own stuff. I'm sure they may have had their own input. Like at this point, we should tell the girl that we love her and that we're always going to be with her. That's a good one, Harry. Yeah, <laughs> I would have never thought of that one. At this point, we should sing about how much love we have. But we're singing to a teen cast, so while we're talking, we should change this line from talking about how big our cocks are to talking about about how big our love is and how our love wants to explode all over them. We want to explode our love. Oh, subtle, Harry. <laughs> why I use the brains of this occupation? Yeah, a lot of like explaining in your face and stuff like that. Is that what we're gonna douse you in our foam, girls? Ooh. And they just get like these giant cannons out with lots of fun foam. <laughs> is this your dreams or something like that? Is that what we're being let into here? <laughs> Pretty much, man. I, I pretend to hate them, but honestly, I want them to douse me in some foam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want, you want Harry Stars to explain all over you, don't you? Yeah, I was sitting in that film theatre thinking, go on, Harry, shout again. <laughs> yeah, well, he's in uniform as well, isn't he? So I bet that's oh, probably yeah. even more of a turn-on for you. <laughs> also a turn-on. You know, I'll go up to him and say, you're just a peon, and you're still a higher rank. <laughs> 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 Tell me what to do, Harry. Sink my boat. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some jokes about that, but <laughs> they're probably the best not to say <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of any more horror films we could talk about, actually. What film absolutely unnerved you? One of the most unnerving films you've ever seen. Doesn't have to be horror, though, but can be. Ooh. Well, as I said, A Clockwork Orange has definitely got to be up there. Mm. A film I watched, The Night Train Murders, is another one. That's quite unnerving at times. I'm trying to think about any other ones that have really unnerved me. Oh, bonus points if it came out in the last 10 years, which is very hard to do, actually. Um, actually, that's way too hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I saw one called Angel of Death mm. in the last 10 years. That was slightly unnerving. It wasn't very good. It was a sequel to, you know, Harry, uh, the guy who played Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. You know, he was in The Woman in Black. Oh, yes, yes. You, you know, they did a sequel to that film. Or a, oh, like, yeah. a kind of related film. I was involved in the screening, ah. and it was horrendous. Like, they hadn't even finished the special effects when we showed it, when they showed it. Yeah. I actually fell asleep three times. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was great, but there were, like, little bits of it which were a bit unnerving, but... There were unnerving bits. Uh, I got that because I was sitting next to three older blonde women, and the only reason I woke up was because they kept screaming. <laughs> but there were parts where I even I was kind of like, yeah, this is unnerving. Whenever you have, like, a door that's locked, but you hear something on the other side or someone's looking through a keyhole, that always gets me. It did have that kind of quality where it's like, as Stanley Cooper would have said to The Shining, was about, it's the anticipation of something happening. Yes. And it did have that quality to it. I felt it was a bit, bit like, some of it, it wasn't, like, a great film, but it did have some bits which were really unnerving at times. It was good at that kind of quality. And I did quite like The Woman in Black, actually, to talk about that one as well. The Woman in Black was good. The first one I, I quite enjoyed. I love period dramas as well, so anything that's set around that sort of Victorian yeah. and uh, I do love that. Someone actually said once there was a, what was it, was it a horror or a game or a film? I think it was a game where one of the scariest things you can do is keep building up tension to something, expecting some yeah. climax to come. And then when the climax doesn't come, it throws you on a loop. And that can be one of the scariest things because it's almost messing with how you're hotwired, your senses are yeah. hotwired to explode after a big build-up of tension, and they don't because what happens is the payoff you thought was coming doesn't come, but you don't realise that the whole thing was the payoff because you're slowly gaining the tension, and the lack of release actually uh, 
you know it's it keeps that tension there and you have a very weird and unnerving way of letting it decrease like a warm down gone very wrong yeah because i think the shining is a bit like that in some way there's a lot of like building up attention but not yeah. an awful lot happens in it that's true the, the, one of the scarier bits when i first watched it was that woman in the bathroom in was the it? bath yeah where she suddenly just melts or something like that Ugh. yeah she's all like warty and stuff and then there's also scary parts where you see something that's supposed to have happened off screen like the old woman actually uh I think it was supposed to be Jack that strangled Danny, wasn't it? But yeah. was it the woman that strangled Danny? Did, did they, oh, was it the woman that strangled Danny? I can't remember. I can't remember. I think it might have been the woman. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, she thinks it's Jack Thompson. But these little things that happen off screen, like the little girls in the hallway, uh, which is <laughs> always the most famous part of the film as well, let's face it. So many little things that happen in the book that are only hinted at in the film is what makes it more ambiguous and more creepy. Yeah. Because obviously people that haven't read the book are going to look at that and think, what the hell is this? What kind of blowjob is that? You know, like, <laughs> like, and, and that's what's creepy because you don't get the full picture. You're hinted at things. You're looking at these this picture of people from, you know, like those classic 1920s days and uh you're not given the full story and that's what's so creepy because you're left to your own imagination of what's going on or why this is and nothing's explained and that's the great way of doing things because you're you're peering into something not understanding it fully and that's what's so creepy yeah uh, because you're left to fill in the blanks and i do i do get that shining because like you get to the end and you think what the fuck was going on <laughs> mm. all that here exactly that's when people would explain stuff like 30 years later and yeah just say little things like oh yeah he would uh he was doing this or that, or the ice cube was made of Lego or something. And um, people are like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's explained it. Don't like that explanation because they already have their own explanation in their head. So sometimes it's better to just leave it to the people. Yeah. I think things are better left unexplained most of the time anyway. Yeah. But sometimes you just need it explained, don't you? Sometimes you just want it. And you think, look, when I get to 80, 80 years old, let me know. And then I can just live happily. No, <laughs> I know it. I, for, for 80 years, I didn't know and I was scared stiff. And now I know and it's all good. Yeah. I've had that good scare. Did I tell you what, there's another thing that I found scary. And uh, it's going to sound a bit weird, this one. It was um, Jane Eyre. <laughs> Jane Eyre. Yeah, because uh, there's a bit where this, um, I was eating apple crumble at the time. And there's this <laughs> bit where this black bird just flies, or this bird just flies across the screen. His wings make a really like, loud flapping noise and it, it kind of uh it kind of shocked me a little bit <laughs> and i nearly <laughs> dropped some of my apple crumble and like <laughs> i was really hoping no one noticed what my sister did and uh yeah it was a slightly oh, embarrassing people. moment so i now have to admit that i find jane Eyre scary matt that might be the most quintessentially english paragraph i've ever experienced <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> It's, oh, it's just bloody loud noises. I don't like them. They like they they shock me sometimes. <laughs> oh, I, I tell you what annoys me actually. Exactly what you said about loud noises. Mm. But when it's a false scare, when they turn around and there's a big jump and it's just their friend or something. Yeah, they'll grab their friend on the shoulder. That you don't do to your friend, by the way. No, really hard. Hey, are you alright? Yeah, you could have asked me that, like <laughs> as you were coming into the room. Thank you very much. You yeah. should have not. You, are you socially unaware of what you're doing? Yeah, or do you not? realize this would scare me you know or are you having a piss take of doing that and saying hey you all right <laughs> yeah to be fair like in horror film it's full of people doing things that they really shouldn't do like you think do you not think it's like not sensible like it's that all oh, let's go in the room where you know there's something really bad <laughs> you know yeah like uh, i think one of the best ones is um 
of that example. Have you ever seen Jason X? Uh, no. There's a part where they know Jason's running about the, the ship, skipping along, and um, they don't know where he is. And one of them says, should we look out the door? And I swear a girl says, why don't you poke your neck out and have a look? And you're like, what the fuck? Who says that normally? And then <laughs> in a horror film, it's like, you're, you're expecting this shit. They must have been having a joke. They must have known that that, that wouldn't be taken seriously. But obviously, the film yeah. wasn't taken seriously anyway. But it's fun film. But, oh, my God, I just hate that. Yeah, that reminds me of an, another film, actually. Where yeah. it's this, this guy sticking his head out of the window, and the window thing comes down and cuts his head off. <laughs> oh, beautiful. What film is that? Um, it's a film called Enigma, I think. Enigma. It's by Lucio Fulci. Oh, Lucio Fulci. Didn't he yeah. do uh, Suspiria? Yeah, I, th- I think he did, yeah. He's got some very interesting direction. Yeah. Is Suspiria by him or Argento? Oh, I can't I'm remember now. Him. But yeah, this is the same film where there's snails crawling all over this woman's body at one point. She's naked at the point, I should add, as well. So they're just going, and they're going in her mouth and everything as well. Suspiria's uh, Argento. Ah, my fault. <laughs> yeah, um, this film, he did New York Ripper. That was the film I was talking about earlier. Mm. He did one of the zombie flesh eater films as well. Oh, nice. So it was him. Yeah. Enigma is quite a weird film. I wouldn't say it's actually very good, but it's got some real bits like that are really weird. Yeah, like proper horror. Yeah, and it's got a really, like, um, you know, like a really bad pop song. It's kind of like, if you ever heard, um, it's called like Head Over Heels. <laughs> And it's just really, oh, it's really strange. But it does kind of add to the film, actually, in a way. Yeah, like the atmosphere kind of melds with the music itself. Yeah, don't really have much more to say on horror films, I don't think. So. Maybe me, myself, I'm afraid. Uh, talking about the Chainsaw Massacre has actually put me in the mood for watching it as well. So I, I do kind of want to break out the old classic. Speaking of which, it has that same Blair Witch effect where it doesn't really have any music except for the credits. Yeah. That's also quite effective in itself as well. It's more kind of video nasty in that effect. Because if you give it music and it's trying to be realistic, unless it's at the credits, it just doesn't meld. But I think that's just how it needs to be, really. Yeah. I do wish, like, more films would do that sometimes. Because I think music, like, it's good in some films. I think, like, particularly, like, Scorsese used music really well. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think... The, for some films, it just like takes away from. Yeah, well, don't watch time. the remake. Don't watch the sequels. I'll just say that now. What's it called? <laughs> uh, Chainsaw Twenty Years Later or something like that. And that's Halloween. Hang on, oh. hang on. Let me just warn you guys. Okay, so there was a Chainsaw Massacre two, which I haven't seen. The film I want you guys to avoid, or if you want to fucking laugh, watch Chainsaw Massacre: The Beginning. Uh, no, a uh, Next Generation. Next Generation is horrendous. I watched it on Netflix. Oh, wait, no. Hang on a minute. Next Generation. It's not Next Generation. I can't remember. There's so many of them. I don't, I've seen I've seen the reviews for one of the Texas Chainsaw ones, and it's like, they're all, like, really bad. Oh, it's The Beginning. Check just <laughs> Texas Chainsaw, The Beginning. The one <laughs> you want to avoid. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. It takes place in the modern day, and somehow they find the house. But it's basically... Um, the woman who was in the house gives birth to a child and that child grows up to be a normal teen but then they go back to the house as you know a sexy young adult and to see what her family came from and it's just shit like that man it's it's like what the fuck yeah even this like hearing it sounds shit <laughs> but there you go it spawned a legacy and they're all quite successful even if they're not as good 
the remake was good. Um, I'm not sure about the others, like the next generation, but some of them are really trying to. Uh, you give someone a mask and a chainsaw. Hey, you got a sequel. You know, it doesn't have to be the same guy. Doesn't have to have the same atmosphere. But that's it. But that's all I have to say on the matter. Yeah, I think that's yeah. There's some there's some horror films out there best to avoid probably. Definitely, we'll have to cover the list at some point. Yeah, the best and worst of what we've viewed. Yeah. Well, the next time like we do an episode. You might be able to do that. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Right, I think we should say bye now. Oh, Yeah, uh, sad. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye, guys. <laughs> what? Oh, fuck. Uh, intro music. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where we talk about stuff. Yeah, well, that's why I did that. She can insert because she's such a whiz at editing. So I think you're so good at editing, Tarmin, that you can take that and and put it at the beginning. Because I think you're so good at editing. By the way, yeah, 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 you're really good, really good. Anyway, oh, we did so well as well. (laughs) We did, we did so well, and yeah. Anyway, it was good to talk to you, man, and it was good to talk about. You know, honour the guy one yeah. last time. Tobe. I think that's how you say it, isn't it? Tobe. Yeah. Tobe, I suppose. Nah. Tobe. <laughs> Tobe. Yeah. Okay, well, we should say bye now, I think. Au revoir. Uh, yeah. Bon, bon, no, bonjour, ça va, isn't it? <laughs> Bolognese. Yeah. I'm a dirty. <laughs>